The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gildas Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Well, Summertime is a time when people take off from work and children and young adults take time off from school to experience new challenges, embark, embark on adventures, and just have some fun. Uh, but for people impacted by cancer, taking time off uh, from cancer may seem impossible and improbable. But as we learned in part one of our special series exploring this theme, perhaps taking time off from cancer is just what is called for. Perhaps it uh, brings benefits you might not find otherwise. With us today, uh, talking about taking a break from cancer, is Brad Ludden. Brad is the founder of First Descents, a nonprofit organization that provides life-changing outdoor adventures for young adults impacted by cancer. When Brad was 13, his parents told him he could do anything he wanted. He took it literally and, uh, and did the thing he loved the most, whitewater kayaking. By the time he was 18, he was living his dream. He had signed on as Nike's first sponsored whitewater kayaker, was on the cover of Outside Magazine, and was traveling the globe in search of first descents on remote rivers. His career highlights include over 100 kayak first descents worldwide and being named to Outdoor Magazine's top 10 adventure athletes in the world. Brad is also a two-time world kayak medalist. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. So, Brad, for those of us who uh, may not be familiar with kayaking, can you tell us what is a first descent? Um, well, you're not alone if you're not familiar with kayaking. <laughs> I would say it's one of the most <laughs> obscure sports out there, uh, but certainly one that's influenced my life. And specifically within the sport, first descents have become my passion, or at least when I was in my prime of my career. And a first descent uh, is really the pinnacle achievement for any extreme or expedition whitewater kayak athlete. And that is uh, traveling to remote parts of the globe and finding rivers that no one's explored before. Uh, and being the first to go in and, and sort of successfully explore them or, or open them up, so to speak. Uh, and that, that became my driving passion within the sport of kayaking because uh, in, its, in its pure sense, it's one of the most uh, kind of raw adventures that we as human beings can have to go to a place on this planet uh, that, that no one else has ever experienced and be the first to experience it. That's uh, something I became really attached to. Well, Brad, it sounds like that could be pretty dangerous at times, is it? Yeah, 
you know, when you're young and invincible, uh, everything seems reasonable and, and smart at the time. In hindsight, it probably made some pretty poor decisions. But I think so much, you know, part of the attraction uh, to those to to doing a first descent is. Uh, you know the element of danger associated with it, and those are all things you know we we take into account before we put on the river. We do our best to mitigate as much risk as possible, do as much research as possible. Uh, but at the end of the day, a first descent by nature is very dangerous, and that's again part of uh, the attraction. So, uh, Brad, let's talk a little bit about about your organization, First Descents. First of all, I don't think kayaking is the first thing that comes to most people's minds when they think of a, a therapeutic activity for people facing a cancer diagnosis. But, it, you know, it was for you. So tell us about the sort of inspiration for starting this organization and a little bit about what you do. Well, I, I certainly don't think you're alone uh, when you think that kayaking isn't the most therapeutic activity or, or that's not the first <laughs> thing that comes to mind. Uh, when I was when I founded the organization, I was in my late teens. I think it was like, well, somewhere between 18 and 20, depending on the timing of it. Uh, but I remember specifically walking into multiple um, medical centers and, and trying to convince these medical professionals that kayaking was uh, you know, a therapeutic offering and or that they should um, send their patients to this program that at the time really didn't exist. And, of course, you could imagine I got some pretty entertaining looks mm. uh, and a lot of rejection. <laughs> um, and so, but I, I really kind of stood behind what I knew, and that was that kayaking, in my own experience, had been an incredibly transformative uh, and on many levels a therapeutic experience. And I really believe that if it was that way for me and so many of my friends, that it could be that way for others. Um, and so, and so, you know, with that in mind, I kind of stood behind this notion that we were going to get it uh, free of charge to young adults with cancer. It's 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 real. It's just uh, it's terrific. And again, I mean, just taking people to a whole new uh, a whole new uh, space. So, first descent. You describe to us really what that is and what that means. But why did you decide to name the organization First Descents? Um, well, there again, based on my own experiences, uh, having uh, gone on a First Descent, well, many at the time, but that experience of going on a First Descent for me was uh, really the most transformative uh, experience with kayaking that I had mm. I had come to know. And just knowing that, you know, when you put on a river for the first time, uh, you know, the first time that England fouled that river, that you were going to come off of that river a different person. That was sort of the one constant with every first descent. Uh, it seemed like everything else was in flux, and um, certainly the challenges and adventures on each river were different, but that was the one thing that remained the same. And so it seemed appropriate um, that, you know, A, these young adults that we were intending to take on these rivers, it was their first time down that river. Now, granted, thousands of people had gone before them, but it was their own first descent. And I think more metaphorically speaking, uh, it represented that transformation that, you know, by the end of that week, after having learned to kayak, uh, they would transform as people just like we as athletes did when we took on a literal first descent of a river. And Mm -hmm. so that was the goal is to kind of transcend that experience and and offer them that same transformation. Mm, That's awesome. Um, Brad, I I read that you were inspired to start the foundation by your aunt who was diagnosed with breast cancer. Can you tell us about her? What was she like? What was the, was she a sports person as well? Uh, t- tell us about that inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> My aunt is an amazing woman. Uh, she was very close to all of us and 
when she was diagnosed with cancer, I was in my early teens, uh, and that was really the first interaction, I think, especially at that distance, you know, that proximity so close to all of us that we'd ever experienced cancer. And now, granted, we ourselves didn't have it, but we went through it with her, uh, and that story, I'm sure, uh, has been told by a lot of people. And it opens your eyes, uh, or it opened my eyes, I should say, to uh, just how... Uh, big of an impact in so many negative ways this disease can make in someone's life. Uh, and it left all of us as a family feeling really helpless. Uh, and it, it it left me realizing that there was a tremendous amount of need. She was a young adult when she was diagnosed in her 30s, uh, facing so many of the challenges that we see so many young adults say she'd just uh, been married, uh, was uh, working on her career, and, and wanted to start a family. And all of those things were kind of overturned or um, at least upturned by her diagnosis. And so uh, it just opened my eyes to the fact that there was a tremendous amount of need for people her age going through that experience. Uh, and frankly, I didn't know how else to help her or anyone other than trying to offer them uh, the sport of kayaking. Mm. So, Brad, you were pretty young when you took your first uh, group out kayaking. Tell us when that was, tell us where you went, what you did, and, you know, was the experience what you expected? What did the participants share about their experience? Uh, yeah, I, I just turned 20 years old at our first program, and I was so incredibly nervous. I'll never forget the first day of the camp when the participants were arriving. And I just remember sitting there in my car thinking, what have I done? You know, what, <laughs> what will this become? Is this is, is this a really bad idea? I, I guess once I had the idea to start first defense, I didn't really think about anything else. I just charged forward, and then when it became a reality, I found myself asking those questions like, will they accept me? I haven't had cancer. You know, will they look at me differently or, or sort of look at me or and, and not trust me? Um, will the sport of kayaking actually translate and be at all exciting or therapeutic to these guys? You know, I, I was asking all these questions, and um, within about an hour of meeting everyone, I realized, uh, that no matter what, it was going to be a great week. Uh, and then furthermore, uh, by the end of the week, I came to understand that uh, beyond just being a great week, it had actually been a really transformative experience, which obviously was the hope. Um, a lot of participants came up to me and said things like, hey, that was um, you know, the best thing I've done for myself since being diagnosed. I've, I had a few participants say that was the best thing I've done for myself, you know, the best week of my entire life. Um, and things where... We didn't know why, uh, and we certainly uh, didn't really know the details of how it was working, but we knew it was working. Uh, and that was all we needed to know at that point to, to continue pushing forward and creating more of these experiences for more young adults with cancer. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Brad, you talked a little bit about some of the reaction, the rejection that you got when you, um, you know, approached uh, uh, this idea. But before we get to our... Um, our first break here. Tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, again, you know, you're sort of thinking about f- folks who may have been through surgery. They may be getting chemotherapy. They may have side effects. They may have um, low blood counts. They may have other, you know, a, a lot of medical issues that they could be um, facing. So, how did you kind of manage those questions? Manage the sort of medical issues and medical questions. How does somebody sort of get cleared to go on one of these trips? Can you talk about that? Because I'm sure that's running through people's minds. <laughs> it's funny to think back to those days uh, and and realize how little I knew. And I'm kind of glad. Like I think the reason or the reason FD may have succeeded is because I was really naive. Um, 
there are a whole host of issue, issues, physical issues, obviously, associated with a diagnosis of cancer, and those vary from person to person. Uh, and furthermore, kayaking is a pretty physical sport. And so, yeah. Um, naturally, yeah, it can be uh, a process to understand how to make that safe and also enjoyable. Fortunately, uh, at the time when we were starting, there was an article written in a local paper, uh, and an oncologist who happened to be an avid kayaker read the article uh, and contacted me and said he wanted to help. He joined our board as our first medical director uh, and built out that year and then over the subsequent years a really, um, I, I guess, thorough application process that was meant to um, get to know the participant, make sure that this experience would be safe uh, and enjoyable physically for them, uh, and also make sure that they understood, I think, really what was what the week would entail. Yeah. With that said, uh, so there, there is an application process that kind of vets all that uh, and, fl- and flushes all those questions and makes sure that everyone's aware of what they're getting into and that we're aware of who they are. Um, but we can also really cater the experience to each individual. We we cap each week at 15 participants, and then mm-hmm. we ramp our staff up as necessary to accommodate those participants <laughs> uh, to the point of having one-on-one support on the river, even two-on-one if we need it. Mm-hmm. And so do fo- is part of that application process, do folks have to get cleared by their doctor to participate? Yeah, so uh, the, at this point what happens is they contact us, they fill out an inquiry form, one of our staff contacts them, has a good phone conversation, chats with them, and then they get the application. The application is something that they fill out with their primary care physician. And ultimately their primary care physician is the one who signs off uh, on their attendance at the First Ascent program. We also, mm-hmm. though, to sort of double screen that, we have a group of um, medical screeners on our end uh, mm-hmm. who also look through their applications, uh, who know our programs a bit more intimately, perhaps, than their PCP, and they make sure uh, mm-hmm. that they also agree that, you know, even if their primary care physici- physician signs off, that they also make sure that, you know, they too are in the same yeah. boat and feeling that this is a good experience. And you have a doctor who's out that week with you? We have uh, medical professionals uh, mm-hmm. with us at every week, and that varies yeah. from week to week. Um, we have medical volunteers yeah. Uh, who attend, who are usually um, either a nurse, an oncologist, or a doctor. Um, what we found, though, is that most of what we see really is, is wilderness uh, emergency medicine. Uh, in that, you <laughs> and know, not, on, and not oncology care, yeah. Yeah, so oncology yeah. isn't really what, what we get in the field. What we get is, you know, someone gets, you know, sprains a wrist or, or right. you know, breaks a toe or something that, you know, we, we are trained to deal with yeah. out in the field yeah. and get them to a yeah. more comprehensive facility. Perfect. Got it. Great. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, we're talking about taking time off from cancer. We're talking to Brad Ludden, founder of First Descents. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break here. We've got a lot more to talk about with Brad, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, 
The Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help, but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar, to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at CancerSupportCommunity.org. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Amgen Oncology and Lilly Oncology. I'm Kim Tibaldo, and today we're talking to Brad Ludden about taking a vacation from cancer. As a child, Brad spent his days in the outdoors with his family, hiking, camping, fishing, skiing, kayaking. And of all his passions, kayaking caught his eye the most. By age 12, he was traveling and competing internationally. By 18, he had kayaked in over 20 countries and found his true passion within the sport first descents. As Brad told us earlier, a first descent is the first time a person successfully kayaks a river or a section of a river that has never been done. And through his first descents, Brad found immense challenge, uh, adventure, community, and, uh, and personal growth. And so the organization that Brad founded, First Descents, focuses specifically on young adults. Brad, can you tell us about some of the unique challenges that young adults uh, face when they're dealing with a cancer diagnosis? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I think a cancer diagnosis may really compound some of the challenges that we as young adults face, period. Um, and that can be anything from finishing college. Uh, dating is a huge challenge, uh, even regardless of cancer. Starting new jobs, establishing yourself financially and professionally, uh, starting a new family, raising a family. Uh, all of these things are challenges that we as young adults face that are uh, incredibly complex or, or sometimes almost uh, impossible to overcome with a diagnosis of cancer. Furthermore, what we've seen post-diagnosis is that there are a lot of feelings of isolation, uh, people you know, feeling uh, that they're alone in their diagnosis, which mm-hmm. is uh, really scary to think. Um, there are feelings of alienation, a peer group not knowing how to and or just not accepting you. Uh, after you've been diagnosed with cancer. Um, a lot of challenges uh, or issues with body image, 
uh, being such mm-hmm. a, a time in our lives when our body is such a big part of who we are and then cancer can manifest itself very physically. Uh, a lot of self-compassion issues, anxiety, depression. Uh, these are all things we've seen uh, come out in various studies, uh, both qualitative and quantitative. Uh, and we've also seen that uh, first defense programs uh, can relieve a lot of the distress in those key areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Brett, I know that the program started with kayaking, but now you, you know you have a whole range of programs available for young adults. Um, can you tell us about the variety of what's available? Tell us kind of what's popular. You know, what do folks have to say? Yeah, you know, as much as I would like to think that everyone wants to learn to kayak, I don't think <laughs> that that's the case. Uh, so I, I came to that sad realization uh, back around 2008. When we were seeing our, uh, a lot of popularity uh, and interest in our kayak programs, but then again, a lot of the inquiries we were getting were from people saying, hey, I either can't or don't want to go kayaking, but I do mm-hmm. think an experience like this would be really helpful for me. And so we started looking uh, at what other options we thought we could, um, you know, sort of experiment with that might lead to the same outcomes. And so we added rock climbing. And I was at that first week of our our rock climbing program. I was a bit apprehensive because it was totally foreign to us. But what we found at the end of the week was that the way that the participants reacted, the experience they had, uh, and sort of the the transformation that occurred uh, were the same uh, sort of things that we were seeing with our kayak programs. Uh, And that was really exciting because it meant that we could kind of, you know, relieve so much of that distress create that community, uh, and provide that experience outside of just one sport. And so uh, fast forward another couple of years, I think in 2010 or 11, we experimented with surfing, mm. which is something that <laughs> I think that was popular demand. Everyone wants to go surfing. Uh, and so we tried out a surf program in Santa Barbara, again, a huge success. And so we started branching out sticking with the same blueprint, uh, but plugging in different adventures. And we've since done glacial mountaineering, ice climbing, rock climbing, trekking, um, multi-day raft trips, uh, all sorts of things that seem to lead to the same outcomes, which is, again, very exciting. Mm. And so when folks come, I mean, are the folks who come are like the typically very sort of athletic folks, and they were very athletic before they were diagnosed with cancer. I mean, do you have to have experience in these sports, experience in outdoor sports and activities in order to participate? I'm really glad you asked that question because that seems to be one of the, the uh, common misconceptions uh, that we get from our from people who, who would otherwise be interested in the sport is that they can't do it. They don't have experience in it. They're not athletic by nature. Uh, you know, they they're physically compromised from their diagnosis, and all of those things are really irrelevant when it comes to these programs. Mm. Uh, No prior experience necessary. Uh, If you've never, I would say the majority of our participants uh, haven't ever camped outside, not to say we do that at every program. I'd say uh, 99% haven't done the sport for which they're coming to us to learn, Mm. Uh, and most of them are either, you know, physically compromised and or, you know, not in the best shape of their life. So, that said, they all leave the week with a positive experience. We can provide the experience to anyone. So it really, at the end of the day, if it's something you, you want to do uh, and you're feeling up for a great adventure, then we'll make it happen. Wow. It's, it's, it's terrific. So let's, let's uh, just kind of walk us through. Let's say somebody signs up. You've got a small group. It's, it's a week of, of kayaking. Describe a typical day 
on the river? How do folks start? How do they learn? Do they camp? Where do they stay? You know, kind of walk us through it so we can kind of visualize the experience. Sure. Uh, so, again, generally our programs, including travel days, are week long. Uh, so you, that first day is just getting to the program from wherever you're coming from, uh, arriving, kind of getting settled. Um, we usually stay at really nice lodges. Uh, so, every, you know, you're sleeping indoors. There are showers. Uh, it's <laughs> We're not roughing it, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the food at the program, nutrition is a really big component of our programs. Uh, we have two chefs at every program, so all the food is made fresh each day. Uh, locally sourced when possible, organic when possible, really healthy, good food. So we, we keep our participants well-fed. Um, and so that next day, the first day on the water, I was really just getting familiar with the gear, getting to know the guides, uh, and going over the very basic steps of how to kayak. And I'll just use kayaking for the example. Yeah. Um, and that's usually a flat water day. You know, we don't get into the river very much. We don't get into white water, certainly. Uh, and it's just, again, like trying to, to lay down the foundation for the week. And then every day thereafter is a progression on that day uh, leading toward what ultimately will be that graduation day where, where we'll take on a, a section of class two and sometimes uh, easy class three white water. So, uh, you know, that that's... That's really fun, rapid, big waves, uh, you know, eddy turns, all sorts of things that are, you know, not advanced, but certainly more technical aspects of kayaking that all of our participants are able to do because of the progression we've given. Uh, and most camps usually have one day in the middle of the week that we sort of call our off-water day, and that's a chance to go either experience the, you know, the surrounding towns. A lot of these camps are in, like, you know, really amazing places, whether it's Moab, Utah, or Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and getting the participants out to either go into town and buy some stuff or maybe go for a hike or, or go rafting down the river so you can experience the river in a different way. So we give them a day off, and that's just a day to kind of recover and relax. Um, and then, like I said, that graduation day is the culmination of the entire week. Uh, that night, we just kind of celebrate the entire week, uh, the accomplishments, the community forms, uh, and the next day is all about getting people back on the airplanes and back home, which I think any of us who travel can recognize can be challenging. So, yeah, yeah, and so the so the fact that you're in these beautiful outdoor places, I mean, do you think that makes a difference? What, you know, how, how why is that important for this experience? Uh, I think for a lot of reasons. Uh, for, for one just to kind of disconnect from daily life, to get out of your daily routine, and to get out into nature can be therapeutic in and of itself. Um, these places are just truly inspiring, watching the sunset over the river, over the ocean, and just sitting there and having a chance to relax and look out onto the horizon is something we rarely do. And so I think just being out in nature in and of itself can be therapeutic. I know it's been that way for me. And so we really, you know, one of the one of the, the key factors upon which we decide uh, where we're going to host these programs is looking at places that, first and foremost, are truly inspiring, beautiful, natural settings. Uh, and all of our programs, I can say with confidence, are hosted in those places. And so um, even if you don't get on the river or the rock or into the ocean, you're going to have a heck of a week just uh, just by way of the fact that you're in a beautiful place. And so that's always a cornerstone of what we do. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, Brett, uh, our listeners are uh, are thinking, and as we get to our 
get to our break here. You know, how is all this funded? Do the folks who participate have to pay a participation fee or do you guys get grant money? Do you help to subsidize it? You know, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, certainly. Uh, again, a great question. Um, these programs have been, always will be completely free to those that want to attend. Uh, that was, uh, you know, being a young adult having cancer, you're usually not in a place of wealth. Cancer can oftentimes be a very expensive disease uh, to negotiate. And so it would be a tremendous barrier to entry if anyone had to pay to come to these things. And so we've, uh, through, you know, generosity, donations, um, amazing corporate partners have found ways to fund all of the programs. And so, if, and furthermore, we'll even, uh, if needed, provide travel scholarships to get to the program. So, um, if if you're looking for excuses, cost shouldn't be one of them. <laughs> I think uh, I, I think that's great. I think it's important, you know, certainly important for folks to, you know, to know that and, um, uh, you know, and understand that. And and just quickly, Brad, we've only got about a minute until the break. But um, are you seeing people really go through kind of an emotional transformation while they're out there for the week with you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's to the point where it almost manifests itself physically. It's a tremendously transformational experience, and we've done some quantitative research studies, some qualitative research studies that support that, but at the end of the day, really, uh, I mean, you show up, you see it in person, and there's just no denying that spending a week out there uh, and and empowering yourself through these amazing adventures will lead to a transformation. Mm. It's just it's just uh, fantastic. I feel like I want to step out into the woods and breathe some fresh air into my lungs right now. <laughs> it just sounds uh, it sounds wonderful. Um, this is frankly speaking about cancer. We're going to take a, a a quick break here. We're talking to uh, Brad Ludden from First Descents about the benefit of taking a break from cancer and being out uh, young adults, being out with other young adults, uh, engaging in some pretty uh, amazing activities and and uh, really going through a physical and emotional transformation sort of through and beyond uh, the cancer experience. We've got a lot more to talk about with Brad. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, we will be right back. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer, created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the AZI Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. 
Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Onyx Pharmaceuticals and Amgen subsidiary and Bristol-Myers Squibb. I'm Kim Tibaldo, and today we're talking about taking a break during your cancer journey with Brad Ludden, the founder of First Descents. Um, Brad, you use the term cancer fighter rather than cancer patient. Um, obviously, a lot of discussion and debate in the cancer community, and I know different people have different feelings about um, what they want to be called and what term they connect with. But what is the distinction for you? How did you come onto that term? Oh, man. <laughs> I think it was, we were told to use it by our participants. Uh, as you said, it, it's it, it, you know it's one of those things where you never know quite what to say. We we said cancer survivors for a long time, and then some of our participants because you know to attend one of our programs, uh, your diagnosis and your prognosis are really irrelevant. It's whether yeah. or not you you have the you know it, whether or not we can determine that you're physically physically uh, in a place where it'll be a great outcome. And, and that you know again those that that definition in and of itself is we can we can get just about anyone through these programs. Um, but like I said, we, we've had a lot of participants who, uh, you know, who are deemed incurable by the medical community. You know, they, they're in a in a position where their cancer uh, ultimately uh, can't be cured. They're not, you know, survivors in their own mind. Some of them, they're fighters. Uh, and so we we started using the term um, survivors, and, and that ruffled some feathers <laughs> with some of our participants. And. They campaign pretty hard to say, "Hey, you know, I'm not a survivor. I'm a fighter, and I'm proud of it." So please use that as well. So we, after much debate internally, settled on uh, trying to go with both. And so we've sort of said fighters and survivors uh, to keep everyone happy. Yeah, just to see, yeah, whatever folks identify with, they can take that on for themselves. Um, so, Brad, we know that one of the side effects of cancer treatment that persists even after treatment is over, oftentimes, is um, fatigue. And, you know, the reality is that participants' bodies, uh, along with their minds and souls, you know, they've been through, these folks have been through the ringer. So how do you adjust the instruction, the expectation, the schedule, um, so that they still have a, a, you know, a meaningful experience so they don't feel maybe disappointed in themselves or feel like, that you know, that they want to do certain things that they're, you know, unable to do? How do you guys kind of work with each participant to make it a great experience? Um, another great question. And, and, and there's no simple answer because we, we – have adapted these programs in so many ways to accommodate so many different people that uh, it, it would be hard to answer that, uh, you know, with, with, with one thing. Uh, to give you examples, if you're at a kayak program, we have various different crafts on the water. So if a hard shell kayak is just too much ex- exertion for you, we'll put you in an inflatable kayak. So you're still going down the river, you know, in your, in, on your own, uh, just in a different sort of kayak. Um, then we have two-person kayaks, so we can put a guide in the back of a kayak with you, 
and a hard shell kayak. We've got rafts, two-person inflatables. We have everything. Um, each uh, At the beginning of each program, we just sort of do a participant intake where we'll sit down one-on-one with each participant, uh, just have a discussion with them, you know, see how they're doing physically, see if there's anything we need to be aware of, uh, and, and kind of get their expectations and goals for the week to make sure that we, uh, from the start, build a program that's going to be successful for them. And then we work really closely with our outfitters. Each evening we get together, we have a staff meeting, we talk to our outfitters, make sure that everyone's having a good experience. You know, dial it up for some people, dial it back for others. Uh, if we have to fly in more guys or hire more outfitters to be on the rock or the river, we'll do that. And then each day um, uh, we, we look at where we're going that day uh, and, and sort of based on where the group's at. And so we'll, you know, break the group up if needed for the day into different instruction groups. So on the river, you might have one group that's really charging and, and wants to try some, you know, harder things. You may have one group that's just enjoying the scenery and wants to get down without getting too wet. And um, so we'll make sure that we pair those guys with the right instructors to provide that experience. Uh, as it relates to climbing, for example, uh, we can go to, uh, you know, we can all show up at one area for climbing and then set up ropes on harder routes and some on easier routes and make sure that the people, again, are, are finding success as determined by themselves. Right, right. And when, when did you found it, Brad? How many years have you been doing this? Oh, man. Well, 2001, August of 2001 was our first program ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did one program that year, <laughs> which was, yeah. was quite the feat in, the, in and of itself. I'm, Pretty surprised we pulled that off. Um, and this year, I think we'll have about 45 week-long programs all over the country. Uh, and we also launched an initiative called Tributary, which is sort of a local adventure support community, um, really rooted in the culture of First Descent, but meant to be more accessible, more ongoing. So instead of just one week a year, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's a weekend every month or two. Uh, and so I think this is what our, now we will conclude our 14th or 15th year programming this year uh, with quite the multitude of offerings around the country and even around the world now. Mm. You know, Brad, uh, so over those many years, I know you've helped a lot of people, and this might be a very hard question to answer, but is there a particular participant experience or story that stands out to you? You know, just one that you sort of held on to that was particularly meaningful or, or transformational that you'd like to share? Oh, boy. <laughs> there are so many, so many. Uh, I've just been such uh, an honor to be a part of this organization, uh, largely because of the perspective I've been given. Without having had cancer, I feel like I've gotten all this amazing perspective uh, by my friends who, who do have cancer. And, and beyond that, I've met so many of my closest friends through these camps. Um, yeah, it's hard to pick one. If I had to pick one just off the top of my head uh, in more recent years, um, we, in 2008, actually, we, we were hosting a kayak camp up here in Northwest Montana, which is where I'm from. So it kind of holds a special place in my heart. Uh, and there was this young man who had shown up, um, clearly jaded from his experience with cancer, pretty upset, which is normal. Yeah. Uh, but I just in, uh, immediately kind of felt like kindred spirits. I, I really felt the connection to this kid. I really enjoyed him. Uh, and I felt like... Um, like this experience, the first defense experience will be really good for him. And so I kind of latched onto him. We became instant friends. Uh, his name was Nick. I, everyone at first defense gets a nickname and I nicknamed him nickname, which I thought was pretty clever at the time. I'm not sure he was that, that excited. He came to own it down the road at the time. He was like, really dude? Um, and I had the pleasure of teaching nickname how to kayak and he was a phenomenal athlete. He was an avid skier. Um, played a lot of team sports, 
And then I think cancer really derailed that and kind of stole his identity in doing so. And so to see him take the kayaking so naturally and, and see that, that, that fire kind of relight inside of him was just a really cool experience. Uh, over the years, he and I went on a lot of kayak adventures together, both through first defense and then just recreationally. Uh, you know, if I was going on a kayak trip, I'd invite him and he would come along and um, just really had some amazing times together. Uh, he then went on to start his own nonprofit, which raised money and donated half the money to Cure Search and then half the money to First Descent. And through that act, he ended up raising to date hundreds of thousands of dollars for, wow. for both organizations, wow. which is just a tremendous feat. Uh, and he also went on to become a First Descent lead staff member. So he actually went through our training and started leading our program. So he was taking other people through that first defense experience as a staff member. And, and to see someone, you know, from that first day I met him, uh, really through that transformation was such a cool thing to be a part of. Um, unfortunately, a couple of years ago, he ended up passing away from cancer. But before he did, uh, you know, and he, he knew that was coming uh, and was in a really unique position to kind of plan that life celebration, you know, to sort of plan how he wanted to be remembered. And the correspondence that we had leading up to that day was probably some of the most meaningful of my life. And, you know, uh, certainly something that changes the way I live each and every day since. Uh, and so, I, you know, one, one of many amazing stories, but certainly one that has shaped my yeah. life in such a profound way. So just yeah. really grateful, again, to, to have that time to have met him and, and so many like him. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's quite a story. Um Brad, we've got a couple minutes until our next break here. And, I, you know, again, those stories, that anecdotal data information is um, certainly telling you that these programs are making a difference. But I understand you decided to embark on a study to really quantify the impact that you're having. Can you just take a minute, a quick minute to tell us about the study and the data? Yeah. <laughs> As you know, you know, so much of cancer is science and so much of science is having having um, sort of measurable data. And so we, uh, you know, had had a lot of people asking if we would be willing to quantify the experience, you know, go down more of a scientific path because I guess, like, dude, these programs are awesome. It doesn't really cut it for the scientists. And so we needed something more than anecdotal. Uh, we set out on a long journey uh, to partner with Stanford's lead behavioral scientist and his partner who is a clinical psychologist and set up um, a pretty big study uh, that became a peer review study uh, that, that was then recently last fall published in the Journal of Psychosocial Oncology. Uh, and, and what we learned was amazing. Uh, we learned, we affirmed some of the things we'd said uh, that we believed these programs were doing, but then we also learned some really interesting things that we had no idea uh, about. Um, and generally speaking, what we saw is that participants who went through the program, as mm-hmm. best we could deduce, uh, by way of going to the program, uh, saw significant relief in distress in areas such as anxiety, uh, depression, feelings of isolation, alienation, body image, self-confidence, self-esteem, uh, general fatigue and well-being. Uh, and so, so a whole host of positive impacts just by way of attending a week's first descent. Wow. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, I agree with you. It is so important. I mean, it's, cl- it's clear the stories that you're talking about, the successes 
um, those testimonials, you know, obviously it's critical, you know, to make the case and, and let folks know about the importance of it. But you're right. I mean, in, 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 in cancer and healthcare and science, um, you know, it's critical to bring the data to show, uh, to show that impact, to let folks know that, um, you know, that this is a, a, you know, a serious endeavor that you guys have embarked on here to really create that physical, emotional, psychological, you know, change and, uh, you know, and transformation. And, and I'm assuming that you got some good receptivity to the study. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was, it was very well received by the community. Um, yeah. Our funding partners, you know, Genentech was a huge supporter of the study. Yeah. We're really excited to see the results. And so it was just one of those things where, uh, and for me personally, it was so much, it was such an affirmational piece to have to say, you know, I I told you so, but like, it does work. I've been saying this for years, and it was that piece of evidence we needed uh, to to really validate what we were doing. And to turn that corner. Yeah, absolutely. I I get it. I get it. Uh, This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking to Brad Ludden about First Descents. We're going to take uh, just a short break here. We've got more to talk about with Brad. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer, created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities, Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Millennium, the Takeda 
oncology company. I'm Kim Tebaldo. Today we're exploring the idea of taking a break from cancer. With us is Brad Ludden, founder of First Descent, a nonprofit organization that provides life-changing outdoor adventures for young adults impacted by cancer at no cost to the participant. Brad followed his childhood passion and was uh, a very successful kayaker, earning two world kayak medals and completing over 100 first ascents around the world. I should also add that Cosmopolitan named him 2008 Bachelor of the Year. Oh, no. Well, now we might still, now we really might have people's attention, Brad. Uh, while Brad still contact, uh, kayaks, he focuses the majority of his time on helping First Descents grow to serve more uh, young adults with cancer. So, Brad, we've only got a, a few minutes. Uh, I've got a couple questions in, in, clo- in closing here, but um, do you recognize your own feelings about kayaking and, and first descents and how participants respond to the experience? I mean, does it take you back to being sort of a young kayaker, that, that fear, that exhilaration, that excitement? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, so much of my passion for the sport now has, has evolved into seeing other people experience it for their first time. Uh, and it, simply for what you just said, and that it, it sort of dredges up all of these amazing emotions that I felt when I was learning to kayak. And kayaking is a really exhilarating, uh, really scary experience for your first time. It's not dangerous, it's scary. Um, and so I, watching participants experience that fear, but then also the joy of overcoming it and, and the, the feeling of accomplishment at the bottom of those rapids uh, is something that I just I love to see uh, so much because it takes me back to that feeling. It's such a wonderful feeling to have. You know, Brad, I want to read a, a quote that appears on your website for our listeners, and I, I love this. It says, at first descent, we define our lives by the depth of our friendships, the adventures we live, and the moments of laughter, peace, fear, and humility we experience. We remember the important things, the defining things, like brilliant sunsets, big rapids, glassy waves, and endless rock faces. We're fueled by the feeling of standing up on a surfboard for the first time, paddling through white water, and topping out on a climb, always surrounded by friends who feel more like family. <laughs> These are the moments that define first ascents and the paradigms our programs seek out. It's a great, uh, great quote and beautifully um, written. Um, Brad, what do you think coming out of one's comfort zone helps cancer patients and survivors learn about themselves, um, things that they're discovering they might not have otherwise realized? I mean, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's probably not even specific to, to young adults with cancer. I think it's important for all of us to do. I think perhaps more profound for someone who's going through cancer simply because of what they're going through. But any time we push ourselves, any time we get outside of our comfort zone and we realize success in that place of, of discomfort, um, we, become, we become empowered. We start to take on an identity that, that isn't negative, that's something that we chose, that we're proud of, that's positive. Um, you, you immediately form deep connections with those people around you. You start to trust uh, in yourself and your body. You believe in those things again. Uh, and all of those can kind of fade or get lost in our daily lives. And so I think while it's certainly not the path of least resistance and certainly not always easy, it's incredibly important that we seek out that discomfort and that we seek out those adventures because they ultimately will make us better, happier, uh, more confident people at the end, end of the day. So, Brad, your motto is, quote, outliving it. Outliving oh, yeah. it. What does that mean to you? Uh, you know, for, for me personally, it means getting outside and, and living. It means, it, you know, what we just touched on, and that is like finding adventures, seeking them out, 
putting yourself in challenging situations uh, because those days are the ones we remember. Uh, I think obviously there's a deeper meaning for participants uh, or or perhaps anybody who is facing something uniquely challenging uh, in their own life, whether it's cancer or something else, something that's threatening you from becoming who you can and want to be. And when we get outside and we do face those challenges and we overcome them, that's when we're living beyond that that threat. That's when we uh, are no longer defined by those negative things, when cancer doesn't define us. And and so I think, you know, it's that second meaning that really hits home uh, when it comes to first descent. Brad, we're coming to the end of the show here, but uh, how can folks uh, find you? How can they learn more about the programs that you offer? How can they make a donation, support the work that you're doing? Uh, Let our listeners know how they can find you. Absolutely. Uh, if you or anyone you know is, is a young adult with cancer, facing any, any cancer, please check out firstdescents.org, uh, D-E-S-C-E-N-T-S dot org. All of the information, whether it's make a donation, support the organization and the mission, whether it's uh, learn about the organization, send it to a friend who might be interested, or whether it's to apply for a program yourself, it's found right there on the website. And I think it's really important to say that there's no... There's no magic. There's, there's no smoke and mirrors. You know, what we do at yeah. First Defense is very simple. It's very organic. We just get people into beautiful places and put them through an amazing adventure with people who are going through a similar thing. Yeah. Uh, and then at Terrific. the end of the day, that's, quote, unquote, the magic of First Defense. Brad, listen, I just want to thank you for coming on the show today, and I think you've inspired us all to be sort of out there living it. Um, again, folks, for more information about the ma- the amazing programs available through First Ascents, visit their website, firstascents.org. Um, Brad, it's really been uh, a pleasure. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in to Frankly Speaking About Cancer today. I'm Kim Tebaldo from the Cancer Support Community. I just want to remind our listeners that at the Cancer Support Community, we provide a whole range of free services to people with cancer, with all cancers and their loved ones. Uh, we've got 50 centers around the United States where we do support groups, educational programs, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction. Uh, we've got a helpline. If you want to give us a call, you can pick up the phone right now and call us at 888 888- Seven nine three nine three five five. Again, that's eight 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 seven nine three nine three five five. All of our services are free of charge to again a person with uh, any cancer for their family members, uh, for their loved ones. You can visit our website at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. We've uh, known Brad and, and First Descents for many years, and have certainly sent um, friends and, and patients and survivors. Uh, to the program, and we've we've heard nothing but you know terrific things um, uh, about the program. Again, I just want to remind folks uh, to visit the First Descents website. It's First Descents, so that's First F I R S T Descents D E S C E N T S dot org to learn more about the programs, uh, how you get involved, um, ask questions, and um, again, if you know a young adult who's uh, dealing with a cancer diagnosis and you think this is something that would spark their interest or attention, send them to our friends over at First Ascents to learn more about the experience. If you're looking for support, uh, help right now, if you're dealing with a cancer diagnosis, feel free to give us a shout at the Cancer Support Community, 888-793-9355. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, be well, do well, live well.
thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.